What's up, footy fans? Welcome to the 12th episode of Backyard Footy with your host, Hugh Roberts, where each episode I dive into the journeys and experiences of professional athletes and debate current soccer topics. Backyard Footy is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. That's BGN.FM on the internet. You can also find them on Twitter at the BGN.FM. We're here at the point on this great, lovely day, the first time ever Backyard Footy is going public and changing locations. It's a wonderful day. Don't have any guests here yet, but soon, hopefully, some will come on the way. I have my awesome guests here with me, George Davis and Brian Ombi. A little background on us. George and I also always crack up about this story about when we first met each other, Maryland preseason. He looked at me and was like, there's no way this guy's making the team. <laughs> now, here we are, a couple years into the league, but, you know, this guy's groomed me from the start, and all credits to him. You know, both of these guys are like big brothers to me, and they groomed me well into my season, so kudos to them with Ombi as well he went to UVA actually played against him in college I didn't play at the time I was a four but he came to our field and dominated us and I remember him battling and we've been having a great time since ever since in Richmond been living it up partying here and there a little bit so without further ado here are my awesome guests George Davis and Brian Ombi what's up fellas how's everything you what's happening man thanks for having me of course yeah, of course how's the drive in what's that how's the drive in oh it was uh pretty smooth you know got here um day before the match and uh, chilled out and then was able to play a tough match and now here we are. First off, big congratulations to you on on your engagement. Oh yes, thank you. Girl man things. So did you have that plan kind of beforehand or how did that work? No, I had that, yeah, I mean I'd been thinking about it obviously for a bit, yeah. but I didn't start putting it in motion until I would say April. Wow. April. Yeah, yeah, April I had I actually had George's girlfriend, Aaron, help me out a lot, you know. So it worked out. I got, I guess I got a good ring. She said yes. Got the family involved. I see they drove up yeah, here yesterday. Yeah, yeah they, uh, they love coming to the game, so it's always nice, you know, when they can make it. I think it gives them something to do, you yeah. know. But they, uh, I actually did it when they were in town. What was it last week? Yeah, last yeah. week. So gave me yeah. some extra points on, you know, That's in that awesome. family. I moved my way up. <laughs> you guys have had a busy busy couple of weeks you had your game against Cincinnati last Saturday but then got rescheduled to this past Tuesday you guys played against us on Saturday you go to Harrisburg on Wednesday so how do you guys kind of prepare for this quick turnaround this multiple games within a week or so yeah it's kind of been the story of our season uh you know we were fortunate to have some success in the open cup so this isn't the first long stretch of games that we've had to endure um you know but it's all about you know taking care of the body you know, trying to keep the mentality right, keep the mindset strong, and, uh, you know, just pushing on, trying to get points in every match. For me, you know, I'm finally back out there practicing, so I finally, you know, me and George are always kicking each other in practice for some reason. It always seems to be me, you, and Speedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm just looking forward to it, because I'm trying to get back out there ready for playoffs, you know, so hoping to uh, get some minutes this week and go from there. So you guys... We talked about this earlier. You guys had some regen today, but what does your regen day consist of typically? For me, I mean, I feel like it depends on, obviously, we've had a bunch of coaching changes, you know. Yeah. So today it was kind of just going through like a little warm-up, warm-down with the starters, George and the rest of the guys. And then for the non-starters, which included me, we, uh, we just went for a jog and then did some intervals actually in the park kind of nearby right here. So... It was a nice view of the city, man, running across the bridge, so it was nice to open the legs up. Yeah, you know, after a match, you always want to bring closure, so try to, you know, see where you did some things well, see where we could improve, 
uh, you know, reflect on the result and those types of things and uh, performance. And then, then it's all about, you know, flushing the body out, trying to get the legs moving, get a stretch, get the legs up, uh, rehydrate, you know, get good meals in you. And, you know, then on this trip, you know, we go straight to Harrisburg to play Penn. So got to make sure, you know, you recover right, you know, since you won't be at home and, and what you're used to. So. I think this is the first time ever I've actually had guests record after a game. Usually it's typically before a game, so now I'm actually rare to talk about the game for the first time. So what was that game like for you guys, you players on the field, a crazy game like that on Pittsburgh's turf? <laughs> As always, man, really, really tough place to play. Pittsburgh, um, you know, credit to to the, the squad. You know, they make it difficult, you know, athletic, strong, high-intensity match, you know. Obviously, you know, for us, we got to play a full 90 minutes, you know. Um, got to be able to take our performances and get the most out of it. Um, but, you know, as always, it's tough, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll probably see, see you guys again in the future. So do you guys prepare beforehand knowing, like, the turf's not as good, the dimensions are a lot smaller? You guys, strategy-wise, talking about this beforehand, maybe playing more direct a little bit or, you know, be playing a little more safe than sorry? Yeah, I feel like, you know, everyone's on this team's been around a bit, so you kind of know the, the fields at these you know, yeah. other clubs. So we, we obviously told the, you know, hat coming in that this is the, how the field is. This is the dimensions. It's going to be narrow. You know, Coach Lilly, we know him from Rochester days, so we knew how he was kind of going to play and make it difficult to actually – do some stuff out there, especially with that turf, man. I was on the sideline watching it bounce every time. Every time. I want to say, I, we were talking about it, I wanted to see the stats for how many headers there were in the first, like, 30 <laughs> minutes, because it was just back and it's forth, good. you know, but, you know, take credit, you guys do well here, it's a hard place to come play, so it's always nice to have I mean, those home field advantages. Even for us, too, we train here every day, but... You can't get used to that, You can't man. get used to it. It might We might come back from a day off of a day or two, and we're still not used to it, so... I know exactly what you mean. But what kind of happened with that whole situation with your coach leaving throughout the season? How did that develop? Like you guys know beforehand, or how that whole situation happen? It was it was pretty pretty wild. Um, you know, James is James O'Connor is a we got a lot of respect for him and what he's done for the club. You know, he brought both of us to Louisville City, so um, a lot of credit to James and what he was able to do. Uh, but one day, you know, he comes into the training room and you know. He accepted a, a job in the MLS with Orlando City. So, you know, as a group, we're all really happy for him because uh, we all felt like he deserved the opportunity. Um, selfishly, obviously, it's, it's a little tough, you know, when, when your coach leaves you, you know, midway through the season and, you know, you're actually competing for a championship. At the time, we were having a good run in the Open Cup. So it was a, a tough stretch for us. But um, the ownership, you know, credit to them, they, they gave uh, they put a lot of faith in us as a team as a group and um, they put us in charge until we were able to find a good coach in Hackworth. So it's uh, it's been a wild ride, but we can't uh, sit here and talk about it. You know, we got to make action right. and keep going. You know? That was for a good like month and a half. You guys didn't have a coach, right? Yeah, it was a month and a half. Yeah, all through July and a little bit of August. Yeah. So you said That's the managers crazy. and owners kind of gave you guys the freedom? We literally coached ourselves. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. They put, yeah, so they like, put you in charge. Like, yeah, like, it was me, yeah, me, me, Luke, and uh, Paolo, Luke Spencer and Paolo De Piccolo. Um, as interim head coaches, they called us the triumvirate, you know. But um, 
But for real, it wasn't just us three. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, though, it wasn't. You know, you know, we did the, you know, the analysis and, you know, picked the team and everything like that. But it's such a strong group, you know, that if it wasn't for the group, there's no way, you know, it would it would have been any success. So credit to the team because we were strong during that period. All right, still yeah. strong. Yeah. How did that dynamic work? Like, who's coming with the training sessions? Who's deciding the eleven each game? Like, yeah, it was collective. Us three. Was, yeah, yeah, I mean. So, you know, we put a lot of effort into it. And it opened my eyes a little bit, too, because, yeah. you know, you know, every player, right, has, has said, oh, why did he make that decision? Or he should have done this, he should have done that. And then we were put in that situation. Like, you got to make a decision. I wouldn't want to be in that situation, man. Yeah, it's I mean. It's hard, you know, with your teammates. And how did, Imagine. So you got relationships. You're in a different perspective. You're not the one, you know, leading the team kind of. What are you players going through with? You have players deciding who's starting and training sessions and all this stuff. Well, that's the first thing is, you know, at least I feel like I'm pretty close with the guys that were, uh, you know, put in charge, you know. So for me, it was like, you know, they know what I'm capable of doing. You know, I hope they trust me. It was kind of just try to go out and do what I can do. Obviously, this year hasn't gone for me as planned as I wanted it. But, you know, it's still a pretty crazy situation when you look back on it. Like, going into a U.S. Open Cup game. Yeah, like, what was what? it? Quarterfinal, round of quarter 16? Final, yeah, quarterfinal yeah. with no coach. Playing against MLS, MLS team, right? Playing against yeah. MLS team. Yeah. Usually, when you lose coaches, it's because the team's been in bad, like, turmoil or just results. So, this has been a complete opposite, you know? Like, right. He left because he got a better job, you know, more money. <laughs> and then we're stuck here with yeah. just a group of guys, man. It literally feels like this is stuff I would talk about in my Houston days with some of the guys. I was like, man, if we won the lottery, I'd buy the club and then we would run it ourselves. And it actually happened for like a month and a half. For a month and a half. So when did you guys kind of get an idea that a new coach is coming around? Um, well, the president and the ownership, they kept us informed on the, the search, you know, for the coach. And credit to them, too. They did a good job of, like, putting in uh, their due diligence to, to do some research and you know, they hired some people to help, and uh, they, they really put in the effort and the time, which is why it lasted a month and a half. Yeah. So, um, you know, now we got Coach John Hackworth, who brings a lot of experience. He's been around the game for a long time in this country, you know, with the national team, the MLS, and things like that. So we're still adjusting to him, but it's uh, it's been positive. So, you know, we just got to keep on, keep on striving. So how do you guys like this new coach? I mean, it's tough. Obviously, he's coming through halfway through a season and filling in for a coach who won the championship last year. But how are you guys adjusting to him a little bit? For me, it's kind of easy. I mean, I haven't been practicing much. I finally, you know, I'm finally cleared, so I'm finally getting back out there. Um, I mean, obviously, I've been watching from the sidelines, so I've got to see some things. But I kind of know him from my de- U17 days. So he coached oh, yeah, me, you know, right, right. was it 12 years ago now? And I was like 16. <laughs> so. It's pretty crazy to see this guy, you know, again, and he's now my coach again. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm hoping to get back out there and play for him and stuff, see what happens at the end of the season. But it's a little different styles, you know. You're used to one coach that you guys had success with, and now you have another one. So it's more of just like trying – it's almost like the buy-in, you know. You need everyone to buy in together. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, the funny, the funny part about coaching um, is, you know, the psychology of it and, and how, how players respond, you know, and, and his approach is different than that of our previous, you know, head coach. So it's, it's really interesting to see how his approach is and how the players respond to that, and they're used to one thing. So 
um, it's interesting. But again, man, I, I think we got a strong group, you know, we got good men in the locker room and, and, and he has respect, you know, there's no question of that. So, um, you know, I keep my faith high and, and stay optimistic and uh, I believe he's going to do a good job for us. And I think that posts well for you guys, like we were saying with the core, like yeah. to be able to coach your own team for a month and a half <laughs> speaks above and beyond the core of the team. You know what I'm saying? This most of the guys are returning from last year too, right? Yeah, we, we had like 16. Guys, we had so. 16 people return from yeah. last year's team. Yeah. I feel like that's unheard of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially so, in this league. So how's this season been in comparison, obviously to last year, but for you and your third year now here at Louisville? How's the season been in comparison to those? I mean, it's hard to reflect on the season right now because we're still in the middle of it, you know, and all the stuff that's happened, it's been kind of overwhelming, you know. We were talking about it this morning at uh, breakfast, you know. It's like people ask me, yo, how was it to coach? And I'm like, I don't know yet because I'm still still in this this mode of, you know, trying to win and finish the season strong and all these things in in my head. So I haven't really been able to reflect, you know. But in time, it'll be something I look back on and be like, wow, that was special. So, you know, the season, other than that, you know, has been going well, you know. We're still in a a fight to be at the top of the table. We had a great Open Cup run. Um, We got a lot of players who, you know, have been getting attention. You know, Cam banging goals. Um, It's it's been positive. So, um, you know, like I said, just keep on going, you know. Don't stop, don't settle. Don't, don't rest on your laurels kind of thing. Don't make excuses for all the crazy stuff that's happening. So, it's, uh, you know, I'm having fun, as always, and just trying to take the most of it. Right. How about for you, Omi? I mean, I know it's been tough with injuries and all that stuff, but in comparison to last year. It's been, yeah, I mean, obviously it's not how I expected it to right. go. You know, I felt like preseason I was in. Me and them were killing it with mm-hmm. our fitness and everything, and then just to get knocked out the way I did. <laughs> I can't By believe it. Yo, yeah. But uh that shit that's crazy. <laughs> but you know, for me it's like just you know, kinda of plugging away, trying to keep it, you know, because I came back and I felt stuff again, so I relapsed it almost. So for me it's just getting the mindset right, knowing that, you know, I might not be able to do much now but we still got three, four weeks yeah. till playoffs and then hopefully I'm back you know, full that's so what I can make an impact, you know? Yeah. yeah. Cause that's what kind of felt like that happened last year with me. I, you know, I kind of like had really good going into the summer, kind of flared, like failed off a little bit, and then right when the playoffs hit, started rolling again. He was rapid in the playoffs. This yeah. guy. It, was, it was crazy. Rapid. Y'all beat me two times in a row in the playoffs. Yeah. 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 And sick. <laughs> <laughs> last year I was sick. Oh man. Yeah. So what was that feeling like though, winning the championship? Last year, yeah, I mean, it's tough to win a championship period tough. on any level. Any level. Yeah. For me, it was kind of, you know, it's just the way the results and the way the season went, yo. Know, it just like it was one of those where it just kind of felt like went after it happened. You're like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. But yeah. the entire year build up, it's like we're gonna win this thing. Yeah. It just felt that way. Right. The way we were grinding out points, wins late. You know, that's that's where I think we can clean up this year. You know, that's kind of like the little difference mm-hmm. of like last year. You felt that. And it was pretty crazy. Um, so it, it'll be interesting, you know. Playoffs, anything can happen. One anything and done. Happen. One and done. Right, right. So, yeah, last year we we had high, high confidence going into the playoffs last year. You know, we, we knew we had home foot advantage. And, uh, you know, that was key for us. It's tough to play a slugger. I mean, you've been in the league for a minute, and you 
this the furthest yeah, you, I mean, obviously you won the championship, but before then, what was the furthest you've ever gone? Uh, I had went to the semifinals or the conference finals before. Yeah. Um, with Louisville the year before, we lost oh, yeah, in a penalty yeah, shootout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we went yeah. back to the penalty shootout against New York at home. And it's crazy, because I'm standing, you know, watching the penalties. And uh, it was like I knew we were going to win, you know. I was like, there's no way they can beat us two years in a row on pain. It's, it's not going <laughs> to happen. At your house this time. Yeah, at, at, in Slugger, no way, you yeah, know. Greg had a crazy set. Greg went crazy, yeah, you know. Stuff. Good composure from the guys. Um, I didn't take a pin, but I had no complaints there, because we won. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, it was rewarding, man. You know, like you said, it's hard to win anything at any level. You know, and you play, and every year you feel like there's a little bit missing, you know? Like, you get to the end of the season, you're in the off season, and you're like, man, there's a little bit more, like I'm missing something, you know? And it was nice to, you know, have a trophy and a ring and, you know, feel a, a sense of accomplishment. It, uh, it was a good feeling, real good feeling. So what were some of the immediate differences for you guys, though, when you guys left and went to Richmond? You guys both kind of did the same, similar pass, going from Richmond to Louisville. So what were some of the immediate differences for you guys as soon as you made that leap across? Just like the structure of everything, yeah. like practice, you know, being you know, accountable and all this stuff. Like, I, uh, George helped me out a lot, I would say, getting me there. I know they talked to him about me, yeah. James yeah, and Dan yeah, before, definitely. you know, they did their like due diligence and recruiting certain type of players. And you get out there, James is a different person, man. This guy will brutally... I mean, he, it's, hard coaches, to explain, it's, it's hard to explain until you're out there. But his expectations were so high, you know? So it's like always... And that's kind of what like led the team to have this core we have, you know? Expectations of what we should be doing um, and the commitment. So that was something. Like Whereas there were times, you know, I've been on other teams in the past where it'd get late in games and we'd crumble against each other. Yeah. Like almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Last year, it was like everyone came together. One person would make a bomb sprint and put me attack on it, like lifted, yeah. you know, lifted everyone. Yeah. So that's one thing I noticed. It's just, you know, more of a, like, we had a sick group in Richmond, like our little crew we had. <laughs> but other than that, it was like, you know, it's almost like set groups Clicks and stuff. And stuff like yeah. we could talk to anyone, but it's like they didn't want to yeah. hang out with us or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Whereas, like here, everyone kind of gotcha. makes together. a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Big difference. Yeah, kind of the dynamic of the team, you know, in Louisville when I went there, or it's still there now, you know, everybody's together, so all the guys live in the same area, um, very organized and, like, structured, you know what I mean? James is very analytical, you know, and, like, heavy, heavy um, scouting and, and understanding of the opponent and things like that, so that was, uh, he always kept us organized, you know? Not that Richmond didn't, it was just that... I think in Richmond, we, we kind of, we had good players, you know, and, and Lee knew that, you know, and he, put, he tried to put us in the best position to, to do our thing and perform, you know, whereas it was more like James put his influence down, like, strongly, you know. And that's the beauty of it, too, you know, because Lee's been really successful in his approach. James was successful in his approach. You know, and other coaches will be successful in their approach. Like, there's no right or wrong way to, to do it, you know? I mean, I'm, Bob Lilly has his way Same more yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Very similar. So all different like styles, the but yeah, yeah. there's fine ways Results. to make successful, you know? Yeah, so. Lilly and Lee, 
They were like the they were like the longest tenured guys yeah, in the yeah. country. And uh, Charleston's coach. And Char- yeah. yeah. There's like three originals. Wow, Charleston. Rochester. Coach. I grew up going to those games. Man. I feel like they were coaching then. <laughs> they were. They were playing. <laughs> I don't know how it was. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. But that's that's tough to do, you know, sustain a career yeah. in the game for that long. So it's it's something you know it's something about him and respect to those guys. And that's why we kind of respect Baba. Not kind of, but there's a lot of reasons. But we just respect Baba a lot because of his pedigree and I mean, he's been one in 2015. But he's been making playoffs almost every single year. Kind of just like Lee, same yeah. way. And like the old school style, like every style is different, but everyone's getting results kind of in their own little way. So I know exactly what you guys mean by that. How do you guys feel about Richmond going to the D3 next year? <laughs> You know, those are things you can't really control, you know, yeah. even as the players, you know, they don't have any control over that yeah. and what the organization does. So, you know, I, I'm uh, really happy for David Bulo that he's coaching there, and I, and I hope and I wish him nothing but success. And, and uh, you know, we still got guys there like Braden and Udai yes. and, you know, Wusu still over there. And, you know, it's uh, yeah. Michael Callahan, he's yeah. over there coaching still. So I wish these guys success, you know, whether it be in the – D2, D3, or however they do it. And that's something I'm interested to see, too, you know, how that evolves with the two leagues. Yeah, I heard well, for Richmond, for example, all these all their contracts are going to be forfeited and basically about to sign a bunch of new players. But I'm sure everyone's contract will be terminated, but then they'll re-sign some of the similar players, but they're not going to have a, as big of a, of a budget anymore. Yeah, so it's going to be... It's going to change everything. It's going to change. I mean, I, I don't even know that... My Their budget may change. change. I just already think that. My yeah. question is, there's like two teams going there, right? Right. So right. they already have like their academy players right. they signed to the pros yeah. and they try to build their way. Is that something kickers do with their academy? Like, Do they have the talent in the youth team to be signing players to these deals? And does it ruin their college chances? Right. You know, I just don't know. Like, there's all these yeah, things yeah, to yeah, it, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you think there's going to be promotion relegation within the USL because of the D3? In the USL, not right away, yeah, not but I right think away. they have the potential to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it'll happen in the USL long before the MLS Plus. gets involved with that. Um, in the building. Yeah, yeah, I think once all these teams get stadiums, like we're getting a stadium in 2020. Yeah. I think that Colorado Switchback team's getting a stadium in 2020. And there's a couple that already have it. Obviously, Pittsburgh's got it right now yeah. too. So it's a really cool thing. Like we're really witnessing the evolution of the game in the country, you know, and. As, as, you know, the years go on, you see all these teams and coming along and people want to be involved, you know, the investors, the MLS is growing, yeah. um, you know, but the tough part about, you know, soccer in this country is that it's all, it's a business, man. That's not just soccer. That's every sport, you know, it's yeah. a business. So that's the challenge for American soccer in my eyes is how do we balance, you know, development? How do we balance business? And, and so that it, it helps the players and it helps the people who are in charge and the investors, you know. So um, I want to have my hands in and on, yeah, you know, in too. the future. So uh, I just want to, you know, learn as much. And it's great to be going through it. We're in that crazy phase of it too. Right. Like we're in that phase where it's you know, we might not be playing when all that stuff right. happens, obviously. Right. So it's enjoy it now. And that's what I think too. Like going off what you're saying about the stadiums. Like if you look at overseas with these tournament, these teams are doing the FA Cup and stuff. When yeah. they still go and play these lower division teams, it's still legit stadiums. So at least you're still knowing. All right, I'm going down to a second division, a third division team, but the stadium's still the packed. same size, packed. Like regulation fields. You're not 
dealing with baseball stadiums per se and yeah. you know just different soccer specific soccer, yeah. soccer specific stadiums so yeah that's the difference so Omi we're going to start with you and your journey Richmond Virginia product so how did you kind of get your your journey started with soccer down there I want to say I was around four or five years old my parents just threw me in it you yeah know, like the yeah. rack okay peewee soccer uh-huh. <laughs> and I guess you know I started I was a fast little guy so I'd just run around and my parents realized that it wore me out yeah. and I was decent at it so yeah. I just kind of stuck and then you know, played, you play for the played, played for strikers, strikers so like yeah. in Richmond you got Richmond kickers yeah. which is like you know south side kind of Chesterfield Midlothian area and then you got Richmond strikers which is more of the west west side of Richmond um, so we were rivals. I swear, I think Lee was a, a coach for one of the youth teams when I was coming up through Strikers because they still do that now, you know, like some of the players coach. Oh, yeah. And I'm a, I can only imagine back then because he had Ehor, he always coached against me. So I think they coached together yeah. and I was coming up. So yeah. to play for that guy, even though I played against him when he was a youth coach, yeah. it's pretty funny. Yeah. It's just like a small world. You can just keep running into people. Yeah. But Especially then, in the soccer world. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a small world. But, yeah, then I, I got a good uh, connection to get to UVA, and they came out and watched me, and it worked out. And that's kind of what got me with, uh, like, the youth national teams. Cause so would you George Gelnovash, uh-huh. the head coach there, yeah. he, uh, you know, was the assistant coach for Bruce Arena at the 2002 oh, wow. uh, World Cup World in Cup, Korea. Yeah. So wow. he has all those national team connections, and I got you know some call-ups right after I committed to UVA, mm-hmm. and that's how I met Hack, who's now my coach now again. So it, it's full like circle. it's full just a full circle. circle. But you know, so would I, you say you got recruited through club or did high school play a little club, bit? Club, club, straight through club. Yeah, straight through club. At least in Virginia, that's how it was. Okay. I mean, maybe they came out smaller universities came out to like the high school state yeah. tournaments, but. Most of it, it was, I would say, tournament, club tournaments, you know. Because like, I think my last U18 year, you probably had already been in college. But my last U18 year was the academy, first year of academy. Uh, I was going to ask you about that. Okay. So that's the first year I remember the academy system came out. But you didn't play academy. No, right? we had – well, Richmond Strikers made one. It wasn't academy. That was the very last – that was like the first year, and now they're like Richmond United or something. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, I mean, that's what got me there to UVA and then Houston – so then you go to UVA starting in fifth year, 72 career college games, scoring 21 goals, 10 assists. You were first team all, or sorry, first team all American as a freshman, second team all ACC and first team, and you won the national championship in 2009. So how was that whole successful college career for you, especially winning the national championship? I've only gone to the second round of the NCAA yeah. tournament. I've never even gone that far. So that year was crazy, like. I actually wasn't even with the team for half the season. Oh, wow. 2009, I was with the U-20s, and we had the U-20 World Cup that year in Egypt. So I was over there for two months, missing school, which was, you know, yeah. I'm playing Tampa soccer, players. I'm getting my, I'm getting my, my, my schoolwork <laughs> in. I think I was taking two classes, like Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, so when I got back from Egypt, from the World Cup, you know, we're still in regular season. It was, like, near the end of the ACC regular season. And, uh, yeah, so they just worked me back in it, but I got two sports hernias. Mm. So they only used me as, like, I mean, for what you do in college, I don't know what they inject you with. But I would get, like, those shots in the butt cheek before <laughs> games, you know, and it was supposed to be, like, high dosage, what, 
uh, ibuprofen. Yeah. You know, I, I forget what the term. I don't think they went off telling people about that. Just <laughs> <laughs> keep that to yourself. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was like Tordal or something. You know, like yeah. something for uh, making the inflammation go down. So. They would, I would do that, and I would feel good, and I could play like 30 minutes, honestly. And so kind of worked out in the national semifinals. We played against Wake Forest, and I was playing against my roommate, Anthony Arena, that I roomed with in, the, in Houston. Mm. And I think Jonathan Villanueva, you remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy hit the ball over the top, and then I chipped Akira, who Fitzgerald, uh, to put us in the national finals. Who did you play against? That was Wake, and then we played Akron in the finals. Akron was a good team. Oh, and that was Ben Zmanski, who I had on episode 10, I believe. Yeah, yeah I think he was there. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. he was there. I mean, that entire team pretty much is playing yeah, pro now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, about that. Um, that's, it was crazy, but definitely, you know, an exciting year. How'd you kind of manage, you know, with schoolwork and obviously you're missing school, like you said, for the U20s as well, but in your social life in general, how'd you kind of balance and manage that? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. You know, school kind of just worked out because they have this like way of letting you uh, take some classes and then go overseas, especially for like youth national teams because you have a bunch of sports. Like you know, um, so it was more just trying to stay on topic. But obviously, those two months I was just focused on soccer. You know, like I'm trying to do well. I ended up scoring against Cameroon in the group stage. How was that whole experience for you? I mean, it was crazy. How'd you guys like, do? Uh, we we didn't make it out of the group. Okay. We uh, lost by like one goal differential. We got we played Germany. They were really good. Who was on the squad then? Anybody that's uh, on the first team? I don't know if Cruz was. They so Germany they're crazy. You know it's with, mm-hmm. with soccer. So a lot of their U20s was almost like their B team. Like their main stars yeah. that were that age were already on the yeah. full team. So it's almost like those fringe players where they're still right. class at that age just from the development aspect. So they were really good, and they spanked us, and I gave up a PK. and I You gave up a PK? I shit the bed after that. <laughs> I was playing outside mid, and this little guy juked me, and I tackled him in the box, the first one, Ugh. and that was the first goal. And I think that's what I, I remember, like, because it was loud. You had, like, 20,000 people there, you know, in this country. And... You're sitting there like, and they're blowing those vuvuzuelas, you know, and you're like, and I just did this, and everyone's loud, and I just went into like a shock. (laughs) Like, I never felt something like that before on a soccer field. Like, I've gotten angry on a field, but like, this was like, what just happened? (laughs) So I kind of like, yeah, it kind of messed with me mentally, you know, that game. But then the next game I didn't start, because that's, you know, that's how it is, and I subbed in and I got a goal, so that was nice. That's awesome. But uh, I wish we could have made it farther. What an experience, though. I mean, as what, you were 19 at the time? Yeah. No, I was 18. 18 I, was the young, the... I was, like, the youngest on the team, I think. No, we had Dylan Powers, who's down in Orlando now. Would you say that helped you progress into your career? Like, you're going to get into it in the future. You are drafted by Houston Dynamo. But would you say, you know, getting that whole World Cup experience kind of helped you? Yeah, just to see it kind of broader spectrum, yeah. what you're yeah. competing against across, right. you know, the world. the world, not just college, mm-hmm. you know, where college seasons two two months if that two and a half months yeah. like these kids are competing every day you know yeah. at a young age from like 16 and uh to see just the talent the, the touches the skill like i always could bank on my speed back then like i like to say now yeah. i've gotten a little bit technically better since then so it was definitely eye-opening yeah. um 
it was one of those where do you leave school you could possibly leave school early if you have a good performance yeah. or you stick through you know I stuck through four years you know, and I'm happy about it I had some great experiences at school you could know, you have gone pro uh, that's one you know I honestly don't know that's okay. what you know I had one agent before and okay. he didn't work out with me so I don't know if he was being honest or not you know so it was one but he was also stuck around all the time yeah. you know through injuries so it uh he uh, didn't you know we just I never know yeah but I wouldn't change never it for know. now because yeah. there's guys you know when you go to MLS draft you have guys getting drafted in maybe the first round and it doesn't work out with the team but you have a guy get drafted in the third round and he gets a better contract just based on the team you know like reserve reserve or yeah. senior contract yeah. so it just it's, you know it's chance and luck yeah. and you know knowing people right connections right. especially connections. if you're up there in the major leagues oh yeah connections. so then you're drafted 7th in 2012 by Houston Dynamo how was that whole experience for you your first year transitioning from college now to the major leagues uh, it was big time. I yeah. mean, you know, it, the first day in practice, I remember seeing people like what we would do now, and I, I can only picture like younger people watching our practice where we're getting into it, yelling at each other, like cursing each other out. I saw that, and I was like, this never happened at like, <laughs> school. The coaches would yell at us, but like we would never yell at each other yeah. that much. Like We were all friends. We didn't want to hurt each other's feelings. You get here, this guy doesn't like him, but they're on the same team. We're fighting for one goal, yeah. but everyone has theirs you know yeah. their idea so i saw that and i was like oh this is real so i just tried to be friendly with everybody i could <laughs> but it was, it was fun it was fun i got only like seven appearances that year but i uh i got my first assist on my first appearance oh wow yeah uh, we played vancouver so that was you know that was always fun i had some good players in front of me with brad davis boniac garcia from honduras um, and a few others Jeff Cameron was on my team yep, for about six months, US five months, team. and then he got traded that year to Stoke. Yeah, yeah, to Stoke. Yeah, you know, yeah, he went to Stoke that year. So that was crazy to be around because you, you could like you know hear about all that, yeah. how the connections are over there. So, so then the following year you're loaned out to the Kickers. Yeah. How did that even come about? You're just looking for playing time. You know you were going to play for the Dynamo. <laughs> Kind of took so we ended up making it to the finals, MLS Cup finals, my rookie year. Sure. And so I went from college, which was August through December, and then I went I went and tra- trained in like Germany before uh, the combine and all that. And it was literally a season from August all the way through the next year, all the way to that December. So I was playing like 14 months straight, 13 months straight, yeah. and. I took a break during the off season because we only had a month, right. so I kind of lost my fitness and didn't come back into preseason in the best shape. <laughs> but pretty much, I knew I wasn't going to be playing much at the start, so I was like, I, you know, I approached the coach and we came to an idea that it was probably best to go on loan and get yeah. some minutes, get that fitness. And I think they wanted to send me to San Antonio, but I kind of saw this connection back in Richmond with some of the guys and all that, and I was like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to see if I can go back there. And I, we had a crazy season that year. I think we only lost one game, yeah, one that. game the entire year. Uh, How was that for you though, just being in your hometown, bro? I got no. It was nice. I was on, you know, <laughs> I was on a senior contract salary, living yeah. at my parents' house. <laughs> so I was saving up some good money. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was able to yeah. get that good diamond. You know, for sale. <laughs> but uh, that was fun, you know. I 
we had all my friends were just graduating college and then that year after college I, I mean I, I've never had a different job other than soccer yeah. but that year after college to finding your job first job sometimes takes a while so a bunch of my friends didn't have jobs for the first like four or five months when the season began mm. and you know, we were just hanging out all the time you know my parents knew <laughs> knew my friends were in town right. so they all had apartments in the fan so we go hang out with them all the time you know Lee was the head coach but Dom would kind of like call in and you know check in to make sure everything was going well but I kind of just got to come out here and play it was it was different you know it was like a relief almost yeah. you get to do what, what you want nothing but, replicates like anything like games like no matter how hard you train even scrimmaging yeah. preseason and stuff like you need those minutes to, but I, to play yeah for sure I mean I mean I there was guys coming from DC because they had the loan agreement oh, yeah, yeah. But you could see some of the attitudes of some of these people that, like, they didn't want to be down there. And I was like, I'm going to try to make it for the good. Yeah. So I, like, didn't want to make myself seem higher than other people on the team. So I tried to fit in real well with everybody. And, you know, I think it worked because I think that most of the guys liked me on the team. And I got a lot of playing time, and I would say my the results, you know, showed, yeah. showed yeah. it. So I think I finished the year with, like, seven goals, five assists, maybe. I I have to take a look back at Wikipedia, I guess. <laughs> the following year, you loaned out again, though, actually here to Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Were you, I mean, I know it's tough, and, you know, you always want to find a home, but would you say going down to USL clubs to get those minutes helped you in your career? Develop? Yeah, well, it also gave me, like, more views of what playing professional soccer is like in this country, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, everyone has a story, like, you know, George hasn't gotten his chance yeah. to play in MLS. Yeah, yeah. I got it, but... Yeah. Didn't, like had it, but they always kept sending me away because I had national team guys in front of me, um, which they're good players, but yeah. you know it's it's a, it's a tricky system. But you know, coming down here, to be honest, I didn't want to leave Houston. I wanted to stay there that year because I thought I was you know my third year. I'm gonna yeah. push for you know on the 18. Yeah. And for them to send me kind of kind of frustrated me. Yeah. So I I came down here. You know, I had fun, but we put some performances together um i think fortunately the coach that year you know got fired <laughs> but uh we, we were good friends with him and he would always uh you know take care of us but um you know then i got lucky i, I we had uh two injuries in my position back in houston so i got called right back up and i played like 20 games that year wow, wow. so i was down here probably for like a month and a half okay. or so but it was, you know, it was always, it's always fun when you're playing, and everything happens for a reason, though. Yeah, everything. Twenty plus so games. It got me, yeah, it got me a ton of minutes, and then the season, kind of just Houston season. We didn't do well that year. You know, we didn't make playoffs. Dom ended up leaving us with a couple weeks left to go to San Jose. So it's kind of I knew at that point there was a new coach coming in and a new general manager, technical director, all that, and they were just gonna pretty much clear house, make their new team. So I saw it coming, but even when getting that phone call, yeah, it still hurts. You're still like, damn, yeah. man. Like now I'm you know, scraping to look for something, yeah. and that was the first time I've ever like, you know, felt the pressure from the sport because I've always had a home. Like yeah. even if I wasn't in Houston, I was still getting paid. Yeah. I right, always had right. something to survive off yeah. of. But I was like, shit, I gotta find a new team now. Hmm. And I think you know, we just we just went back to Richmond to try That's to get some minutes. Yeah. And that's when that was the first time I played with George. He 
and we were killing it together. I swear. <laughs> I swear. That was about, your first year, right? That was my second, second year, year. Second year, second year. And then we played together in 2016. Yeah. But, but you know, I, talk about those two seasons for you. You dealt with a good amount of injuries and sicknesses as well. How do how do you deal with that mentally as a player? Yeah, that was crazy. The shoulder injury too, because yeah. you know, usually in soccer it's like muscular knees, you know, something like that. I think I fell weird and my shoulder yeah, just popped out. That. And that, I'm pretty upset because you know we were doing well that year, yeah. like. Yeah just the connections it was me george Udai, you in the back yeah, with yeah. yambi and then a lee out right you know we had Braden, who was just like a workhorse playing like left, left backs back, center yeah, mid yeah. Like, like we had potential that year i felt like so much and then like stuff just happened i got hurt and then i saw how the, the team just kept getting changed game I after know. game and it was crazy to be a part of but oh, you know man. we had good times together though like that was lots of you know I was in my 24 25 you know great years (laughs) living back home here then the following year though you had a sickness that kept you out for a couple months as well yeah I got I got sick I want to say during the summer um and that kept me out about like a month and then I ended up changing my diet because of it and I've been, yeah, I've been pretty much gluten-free ever since. Even though I dabble with, you know, every now and then. Of course, of course. It doesn't affect me like celiacs or yeah. something. But honestly, I could go back and be fine. But I just, I'm always in season. So I've just kept it the same, you know, at this point. Because changing your diet, it's like a rough month, I feel like, afterwards right. for your yeah. stomach and everything. So, What kind of steered you to Louisville after Richmond? Uh, once I was out of contract, I kind of wanted to, I wanted to test myself more, you know, not just be comfortable in Richmond. So, like, I probably could have gone to maybe an MLS preseason, but I kind of seen how it works. I've been in them before and seen how many people got cut and all that. So I kind of just wanted to get a contract. And, you know, I called George, I texted George and asked him how it was, and they contacted me. And so I would be texting with James, and I'd be texting with George, trying to get, like, all the info I could, you know, to make sure I'm making the right decision, and, you know, I'm glad I did, because, you know, my first year there, I won a championship. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, wow. you can't, you can't, can't, can't complain about that, can't. and it was, it was a lengthy process, James has his ways, you know, of getting players, but, you know, it was worth it in the end. Worth it in the you end. You know, we got, got to have a championship, That's what which, we all strive for. You know, it doesn't matter what league you're yeah. in, MLS, USL, PDL, any of that. It's hard to win championships because there's so many people out there trying to battle for it, especially in American sports playoffs, too. You could go, like what we did in Richmond my year alone, we ended up as the number one seed. We beat Orlando City both those times that year, and they were like the team to beat. I mean, they ended up winning the USL Cup. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we were the best team all year in the regular season, and then we choked in the semifinals. Mm. And then Charlotte. My rookie year, when Orlando was the number one seed and they lost to Harrisburg. Yeah. And Harrisburg comes. They're in the eighth seed, too. Harrisburg comes and beat us at our place. Oh, and Harrisburg made it all the way to the finals, right? Final. Yeah, they went to Sacramento and lost yeah. to Sacramento. That was Sacramento. All the way to the yeah. final. So have you started thinking about life after soccer? Uh, I mean, I've had those thoughts. I want to play as long as yeah, my yeah, body yeah, lets of course, me. Of course. Obviously, yeah. And financially, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it sometimes can be hard in this country with this sport. 
But, you know, I would like to stay in the game, you know, especially this year specifically, watching from the stands and the sideline a lot because yeah. of my head injury. Like, it's helped me analyze the game a lot differently, you know. Yeah. So I have all these thoughts about, like, I almost sit there and want to, like, coach, but I know I can't. Right. I just want to be like, guys, let's do this, let's do this, just right. from the sideline. But I don't want, you know, people don't like being told what to do, so I don't want to, like, get in their heads or anything. Um, but that's definitely something I could see down in the future. Or, you know, with pets. So Sam and I dog sit on a regular oh, yeah, basis. Yeah, like, yeah. we got, like, four regulars. Wow. So, you know, it's pretty easy money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but these dogs are like ours now. And, you know, sometimes we'll have, like, two or three in the apartment. But, you know, maybe go out to Colorado, get a ranch, <laughs> have a little farm, be off the radar. You guys can come out whenever hey. the world gets crazy enough. That's funny. Good for you guys, though. Congrats again. Yeah, yeah. George, under you, Legend GD4. Talk about a guy kind of took me under my, under his wing, sorry, my rookie season. Especially when I needed guidance, I couldn't catch up to the speed of the game. And, you know, he pulled me to pulled me aside a bunch of times and just helped me through, especially my rookie year. So it's an honor to have you on this show, especially because of your pedigree. But let's dive into your story a little bit. How did you get in, started in, uh, how do you say it, Lima, Ohio? Lima. Lima? Lima, Ohio. Yeah, so... Uh, I actually started playing in South Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah, my father's in the Marine Corps so on uh, Beaufort Island, uh, or Paris Island, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. in uh, Beaufort, South Carolina. And uh, Paris Island Cyclones was my first team. I was like four years old. And uh, yeah, just played. And then uh, shortly after that, I moved to Ohio, and that was uh, right when the World Cup came to the U.S. And my dad recorded every single game on VHS, three games per tape. And uh, I basically spent the next five years of my life watching the 94 World Cup and playing ball. And my dad actually, uh, he started refereeing. And uh, so as he grew in the game, I grew in the game. Uh, and he made it to the professional level. And then once I got to college, he stopped. But, yeah, you know, I, uh, my club ball was all in Ohio before the academy stuff. Um, started out with the Toledo Celtics. Um, unfortunately for me, I, I had to travel to, to get any, you know, good competition and, and play for the good clubs in the, the state. So played for Little Toledo Celtics, uh, Paysetter Soccer Club, and then ultimately ended up with uh, the Cleveland Internationals. And uh, that was probably some of my better, better club years. Being up in the Ohio area, would you say there's also a good amount of African-Americans playing? Or you saying, you know, you also had to travel just to play, but... Oh, yeah, I, I mean, the like West a little bit, and I mean, you know how it is, man. It's uh, in my neighborhood, in my city, it was you know, it's basketball, football yeah. all day, you know, um, basketball court on every corner, um, and, and the only reason I continue to play soccer, one, I was good at it and enjoyed it, and two, my father uh, did everything that he could, and my mother, to to give me opportunity, you know. If it wasn't for them, like driving me up and down the highway. You know, I had a couple of other friends who would, who, a really good friend of mine, he's a Trinidadian, uh, Jamal Remy and uh, Trevor Remy, you know, and they traveled with us and, and, you know, just stayed on the road, always trying to challenge myself as a kid. And, you know, yeah, as far as, you know, the African-American players may one, two, three yeah. per team, you know, but it's, uh, it's good to see that growing, you know. It's a lot of, you know, soccer's becoming part of the culture now, so you see... It's a, it's a diverse sport, and it's starting to become that. Not starting, it's, it's been that growing massively in, in the 
country, so it's good to see. So then you went to, how, how do you pronounce that, Elida High School? Elida. Elida. Yeah, Elida High School. Named to the all-league team there three times, as well as the Northwest District All Team twice. So did you kind of get recruited through high school, or was it through club mostly? No, nah, it was all club. Club as well. Yeah. That's why I had to travel, you know? Yeah. Uh, in the city of Lima, it's not the top level of soccer, yeah. so high school soccer was, you know, I don't want to call it a joke, but, you know, the level wasn't there, you know, right. and uh, nobody was coming to watch high school games, uh, you know, not at the, the Division One schools or any of the schools that I aspired to go to. So, um, you know, I ended up getting recruited mostly out of, like, I, I did some showcases and things with the internationals and pace setter in these clubs, but... Ultimately, it was like state cup and regionals and those things that got me the most attention. Is that what kind of led you to Bowling Green? How did that kind of come about? Yeah, so honestly, man, like I was, uh, I shied away from that stuff when I was that age. You know, I didn't want to talk to coaches. I didn't want to like put myself out there. And, you know, I was a little bit shy, you know, so I, and I, and I wish I would have done a better job of promoting myself. Even today, I'm not good with that stuff, but. That's neither here nor there. So, you know, BG came and, and offered me a scholarship, and that was what my decision was ultimately based on because I wanted to go to school for free. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why I ended up in Bowling Green. Um, I had a lot of trust in the coach. It was Fred Thompson at the time, um, but the program wasn't in a good place. Uh, but I was able to go and play a lot. You know, I played like 40-some games um, my freshman, sophomore year, something around there. So. I was able to play, but ultimately I wanted to leave because I wanted to compete, you know? I wanted to, to play for something, and uh, I didn't feel like I was doing that there at BG. And then that's why you went to Kentucky. Yeah, so. No, go ahead. Oh, no, it was just a good friend of mine, uh, Barry Rice. He was there at UK, and uh, he loved it. And, uh, you know, I reached out. Uh, I almost went to Ohio State, and um, but I wanted to get out of Ohio, so I ended up going down to UK. and. It's weird, man. I have this luck, you know. Ohio State ended up in a national championship that year. <laughs> so, That's true. I remember that. Yeah, and no, um, that was like 2007, 2008. So, but I don't regret any of my decisions. You know, I had a great time in UK. Um, but you know, my story is different than Ombi. You know, Ombi was the man. I didn't get that kind of love in college, man. I don't know if uh, that. I don't. I don't know, man. It just wasn't. It wasn't for me. I guess. You know, I didn't have the best relationship with my coach even uh, at Kentucky at Kentucky yeah um, I don't know if he didn't rate me or he didn't like like my attitude or you know I, I never really knew what the, the issue was you know but it was always a grind for me I always had to to really like work and compete and constantly trying to prove myself you know um, and it made it difficult but honestly I don't think I'd be playing today if I didn't go through those type go of hardships yeah I agree with that. So, so what were your thoughts kind of after college, though? I was thinking about going to get and go to grad school. Yeah. You know, I was trying to, I was going to start my start my life. Not away from soccer. I always would have been around the game. But I was thinking more, you know, from a business aspect and, uh, and further education. And then the Dayton Dutch Lions came along. And uh, it's funny, my buddy from home, he's like, yo, George, you need to go try out. This, this team is playing PDL. And they're going to pay the players, you know, it's going to be a PDL pro, they called it. Yeah. I'm like, uh, all right, you know, it was in Dayton, so it was close to home. And he actually paid for my uh, fee to try out. Credit to him, Byron Coverman. 
Got he's actually a professional poker player now. Wow. So look <laughs> him up. He's a beast. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you know, didn't he come out way back when we were out in uh, L.A.? I in think? L.A., yeah, yeah you yeah, met him yeah, in L.A., yeah, yeah, yeah he came yeah, to hang out yeah, with yeah, us, yeah. Um, Top guy, so, man, and uh, so I showed up, and I remember it was cold, it was on turf, and I played center mid, and I, I killed it. I just banged in a bunch of goals and had some fun, and they, they offered me a contract, and, you know, I'm thinking, hey, they're going to pay me, you know, a couple hundred bucks to play soccer in the summer? Hey, I'll take that, you know. Next thing you know, I'm, you know, all-league in USL and, you know, training with the Columbus crew. and Right after? Know, right after the, well, I played two years. So I played the summer PDL, yeah. and then they went to the USL yeah. the next year. Yeah. This was 2011. Yeah. And that was the first year what they call the USL Pro now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it was good, man. And a bit of fortune, you know. Uh, the coach, Sonny Saloy, he was, uh, played for the Dutch national team and Ajax and things and you know he gave me a lot of confidence and reminded me that I was a good player you know and, and uh, yeah I thrived and it was uh, I've been in the USL ever since so. How did you make that leap or why did you make that leap to LA into the West Coast how did that even come about you said you are in all league uh, Yeah so after that year you know I got a couple offers uh, I spent a preseason with Charleston I could have played at Charleston and then the LA Blues at the time um, they were a new club and the way they played kind of was really like I get to change the scene go out west yeah. um, a new place I, I was always embraced like challenges and change yeah. so um, yeah I, I took that opportunity to go out west you know completely switch it up you How's know that LA living well if I had the money to do it <laughs> yeah, <of> course, <laughs> the money um but L.A. is a beautiful place. You know, I was actually in Orange County, though. They yeah. call them the Orange County yeah. Blues. So at the time, it was L.A. Blues, but it was never in L.A. So, But Orange County was great, man. And I had a lot of fun out there. Made a lot of close friends that I still talk to today. Guys still playing, like Carl Vashinsky and Matt Hall. Um, we had a good team. Alan Russell, he's now, you know, assistant with the English national team. He was at the World Cup. Uh, Shea Spitz in Hong Kong, so... I don't regret going out there at all, man. Yeah, he played with us in Richmond. Yeah. Shea did, yeah. Um, Fondy, Fondy right? Berkey, yeah. uh, Brian Burke, you know, all these guys. Fondy who went to Louisville. And then he oh, did wow. yeah, yeah, the golden boot, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm living in his old apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so L.A. was good to me, man. And uh, even my first year in L.A., I actually went on loan to Orlando. And that's where I met James. And, I asked you about that, uh, too. What kind of what happened with that? How about your first season with LA? Uh, basically, what happened, to my knowledge, is LA needed a striker, and the Blues needed a striker, and so they inquired about. Uh, oh man, I can't even think of his name. Uh, but anyways, he they wanted to bring him to LA, and Orlando apparently asked to have me for a straight swap. So just uh, got swapped. So we just got swapped. How was that yeah. traded. Traded, yeah. You got traded. Basically. But it was a home, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, How was that? Yeah, it was weird, man. Like you said, things, you know, they happen for a reason, you know? Uh, it was great, man. The Orlando won the league that year. Uh, and we lost to Wilmington in the semis. Yeah. Like, they won the league by, like, 15 points, you know? Sheesh. And then That's lost to the semis. Yeah, you know? That's why they love Wilmington playoffs. scored, like, two goals in the first 15 minutes or something crazy. It was a crazy game, but... Uh, but yeah, and then I wanted to, you know, go back to Orlando, but you know, contracts work. So 
uh, went back to L.A. and, uh, you know, had a, another strong season in, in the Blues. And that's where you, out in Orlando, you play with Dennis Shin, right? Yep. Another yep. former guest on episode 10. Yep. Um, yeah, we're talking about that here and there, but... Mm-hmm. It's funny how it all works out. So then your last season, your second team all USL out in L.A., did you know, like, right then, kind of you were on the right path that you knew this was meant to be, kind of? Yeah, I mean, like, for real, it's been, like, fighting for a chance my whole career, you know? Like, always thinking about, you know, how am I going to get into a preseason? How am I going to get a bigger, better contract, you know what I mean? So, and I still have that thirst, you know, still now, you know different now but at the time I'm thinking you know, I have to get an opportunity I have to get an opportunity and that was kind of always on my mind uh, but you know you know how the game goes man it never works out as, as planned so. so then you joined Austin Richmond me specifically in 2014 there for the next two years first team all USL as soon as you came with 11 goals and 27 points were you looking to take that step to the MLS right after that season yeah I remember actually, talking to you yeah, man, that was a, a difficult, it was <laughs> a blessing and a curse almost, you know? Like, I had my best year that year, 2014. Mm-hmm. scored a bunch of goals, was playing with a lot of confidence. That's when I met Ombi because I went to Houston after that year. And uh, they, they invited me to preseason, and there was talks about contract, and it was looking promising. And then all of a sudden, new coach, new staff, and uh, they actually de-invited me from preseason. Um, you got an email, right? I got a phone call. A phone call, like, three days before preseason started. Yeah. But, like you say, you know, those things are out of your control, man. You know, it's... And it, and I have to tell myself that it's not because of my ability, you know? Like, yeah. it, it's the rules in the MLS and senior contracts and, you know, taking draft players and required draft picks draft and these things. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that if I get into that preseason that my story's a little bit different, but... I can't, you know, sit here and put any fault on anybody or make excuses or blame. You know, that's just, that's how the game is, you know, and I can only, like, pass down the information and the experiences that I've gone through and hopefully, you know, make it better for for the players after me, you know, and, and I think that's happening. I think it's great that, like, now in the USL, you know, we got guys on our team like Jose at 19, you know, guys coming in, Richie, young players, you know, getting real opportunities. Um, at a young age and they can't use those senior contract rules and all this and all that you know and, and that's good good to see so. what made you leave Richmond and go to um, Louisville until I'm 16 I wanted to win and as always you know once I got to that point it's like okay now I want to win championships you know like this isn't this isn't about me you know I want to you know build some like create you know lasting memories which I always have and uh I knew James from prior before, you know, and he had reached out to me previously when he first took the job in 2015. And, you know, after seeing the success that they had their first year and knowing James' mentality and how he operated, I knew it was something that I kind of wanted to be a part of. And, uh, you know, being a UK grad, being back in Kentucky and a lot of friends there, a lot of frat, uh, family was close. It seemed seemed like the right decision at the time. First off, big congratulations on your 50th regular season goal in your USL career. I believe you're only the fourth player to reach that mark since 2011, right? That's what they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Congratulations on that. Appreciate it. It doesn't happen often. So have you started kind of thinking about life after soccer? Of course, of course. Yeah, I think about it all the time. But the balance is I try not to think about it too much that it takes away from my plan, you know, because 
Yeah, I want to try to enjoy it as much of this as I can. This is this is a beautiful thing, man. You, you get to play soccer every day. You get to wake up and go to training. You know, it keeps me keeps me young and healthy. And uh, so I want to continue that all the time. But using my money wisely, investing properly, and and learning and understanding. You know, building a network. These are all things that um, I've started to pay much closer attention to. Um, trying to build strong relationships and lasting relationships um these things are, have all become much more important with uh the sights of my future ahead of me you know uh, obviously you know i'm gonna stay around the game in some way shape or form if i could choose anything in the world you know i want to be a president or a general manager or you know have some some operating power in, in trying to help a club build and, and uh you know, help players out uh, from a player's perspective and, and mixing it with the business side of things. Um, that's my ultimate ultimate goal for, for when I'm done playing. But, again, you know, as long as I'm prepared for whatever opportunity presents itself, then, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, and, and I just try to be prepared. So why do you guys think it's important for us to use our platform to make a difference? I would say almost, you know, everyone's got different stories, you know, yeah. just like, me and George right now and you yourself you know so I think helping share your experiences with the groups that are coming through now because I'm sure you guys got young players that are just out of college you know trying to guide them and let them realize it's going to be a grind but they can do it you know you just got to keep working every day people are always going to tell you no you're not good enough but if you believe in yourself and keep working you know, you're going to do it, yeah. regardless of what league it is. There's some talented players in this league. Like, I was watching Canardo last night, and he was just balling. I was like, where is this guy? Hasn't gotten any MLS yeah, crazy. exposure. We talk about that all the time. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's wild. But, yeah, you know, as I said, as I said earlier in the, in the podcast, like, we're going through the evolution of it, you know, like, the, uh, the evolution of the game here. Like, all this is new. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how the game operated um, the last 20 years in this country is going to look far different than the next 20 years. And, and I think that's the cool thing why we need to be involved yeah. is because we've lived it and we're yeah. experiencing it firsthand, you know, on the ins and outs. Like, my uh, development as a youth player was completely different than the development yeah. of a of a 19-year-old today. Even me, you know? for example. Too. Even you, know yeah, academy. you know, we're, what, five years apart? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's very important that the people who have lived it and gone through it um, learn from it and make it better. Yeah. You know, like, we have to make it better. You got to have someone that's been involved in it. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's not just someone coming out Outside. with the money and being like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. You need to have exactly. some soccer-specific yeah. people in the, you know, hemisphere of whatever yeah. you're trying to do. Especially if that's a team. To- Regardless, so we're trying to compete with the rest of the world. We definitely yeah. have to be involved some more. What do you guys think are some of the key issues in U.S. soccer? I think the country's so big, and there's so many like different ideas, but we stick to the same. It's like we stick to the same voice, you know. Like it seems like it's it's the same people making decisions all the time. Um, when there's so much talent, there's so many ideas, there's so many good coaches, yeah, good players yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like when it when it's at the, the top at the highest level, it's the same people who have been involved forever still making the same decisions, you know? 
Um, the amount of money it costs to play the game in this country is absurd. Yeah. That's my problem, um, my number one It's thing. only getting more. Yeah, it's you crazy, know. Man. I've spoke to you, you know, we talk about yeah. nonprofit and yeah. how to create opportunities for, you know, kids with, without those um, blessings, you know? Like, how do we bless those kids who don't have that from their family and from their parents, you know? And, you know, that's something else that I aspire to do is to try to help. And, and, and when, when all the best players can play soccer, regardless of the the monetary issues or any of that, then we'll really start talking about how good we can be, yeah. and, you know? Um, I mean, we have so many people in this country. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's football, resources basketball, too. but, like, resources there's insane. so many. We should be having great athletes. No question. You know, and soccer players, not just, like, big, tall players, you know? That doesn't – you don't nah, need that. Especially in soccer. You know, like, you need – we need to develop the right way. And uh, sometimes I feel like we just bring in, you know – especially U.S., MLS, you see they just bring in a bunch of, you know, older guys. And I think it's starting to change. Like, look at Atlanta. They got young guys out playing. And I think once you have a young guy that has that, you know, talent or they might have it, give them a chance. Yeah. That's That's the only way you're going to get it is by playing. And a lot of times people don't get chances. They just get loaned down or just practice. I feel like we got it kind of backwards here where overseas, like I had Kevin Kerr on my podcast, for example, and James and Santi a little bit. They're explaining their academy system and the route. Like, once you hit 17, 18, if you're not on that first team contract, you pretty much know, like, all right, like, I need to start thinking about something else. I need mm-hmm. to venture off to somewhere else. But here, we're kind of developing players for the college system. Yeah. And we're still thinking 18 to 22, you're still young, 23, 25, like, eh, you're still young a little bit. But the rest of the world, like, you're hitting 22. Dude, so you're prime, prime right there. You should Dude. know 100% if you're a first team player or not. And here, and not even just. You know the development the college lifestyle a lot of people get caught up in the lifestyle because yep, it's not for yep. everybody and the rules on that you know how can you only touch the ball for so many months out of the year you know you're trying to develop players yeah and this is going to help you go on to be a professional but you put a restriction yeah. on how often i can practice right. i feel like there needs to be some sort of college season still because universities are always going to yeah. exist so there's always going to be athletics yeah. we need to find a way to integrate the uh, like U.S. soccer, almost like I know I thought I read something about Sasha Cervaski, the Maryland coach. Yeah, he I wants think, to do like a yeah, fall and spring, but make it one. Yeah. It's almost like you know NASL always yeah, had that break, yeah. but I think that would make the season longer. Yeah, I agree. And because no one wants to do spring season, you know you don't play it's any a games. Joke. It's a joke. Like so, it's, it's fitness and yeah, lifting. And, so here's the question, right? Like, of course soccer wants to do that. You know, of course uh, all the, the college coaches and the players, yeah, they want they two do. seasons, but how does that benefit the NCAA and why does yeah. the NCAA want to make those decisions to do that? And, and that's where the, the roadblock is because yeah. why, how do you convince the NCAA that soccer is the only sport that needs two seasons, you know, or, or that they do need two seasons, you know? It's, um, yeah. and, and again, it goes back to what the NCAA is, which is a business. Oh, yeah. So we keep talking about it, right? It All keeps right. coming back around, you know. But one thing I want to say um, when we're talking about athletes in the U.S., right? So I watched this documentary Barca, on Barcelona the other day um, on Netflix. It's like Barca Dream or something along those lines. And, it, and Cruyff was saying that, and I think this is where we are, where we take the best athletes and try to make them soccer players. Whereas when Barcelona went on there, you know, became what they are today they decided to go after the soccer mind and the players the young players with the ability 
and then they can develop into athletes and top athletes. And that's where you get your Chavis and your Iniestas yeah, and your Messies, you know. So that that's a mindset. You know, I know when I was growing up, if you were 14 years old and you were 5'9", 5'10", and you were strong and fast, you were probably going to go to to a top school, yeah, you know. Yeah. But if you were 5'5", five, five, and, you know, you were small, and you couldn't demonstrate your ability on the ball right. because of how the game was played, right. well, then, you know, you had to work a lot harder to get your opportunity. Um, and, and that's something that we can do better. Um, and I think that's something that has gotten better at identifying players. And, you know, not to – everything is not bad either, you know. You look at all these MLS clubs and academies, and I go and watch some of these games, and the players that I deal with um, when I coach, I'm just like, man, you guys are some good players. Man. Yeah. We got some talented kids. Yeah. Um, but how do we how do we build like on that? The New York system. And yeah, Red Bull, too, good. is always doing well, you know. Like, always. They're paying the butt to play. But they do it right. And look at their first team now. Yeah. They're finally, that's the way I feel like that's like a prime example of what, you know, how some of these teams should go at. Because they're giving them chances. Like you were saying, giving these young boys Giving them chances. And they're actually doing well. And they're beating these other MLS teams that go after the experience, you know, past their prime. Um, Even Atlanta, Andrew Carlton, 17-year-old kid, he's just getting hyped up so much. I hope it doesn't do him wrong just from the height. get some more minutes with the first team, yeah. but they're so good, so like, I understand yeah. the <laughs> development, but they're nice. They're really they're, nice. They are nice. Hopefully he's taking advantage of being yeah. able to be in that environment. Learning from Almiron. Really good players around him. What does the MLS need to do to improve and continue to produce players for the national team and for us to, as a country to keep growing? And obviously you want the product to still be like the style, the way of playing, you know, better players is gonna you know only impact make everyone else better as a whole yeah you know talking about soccer wise like if you're playing around the best players every day it's only gonna make you better as long as them so as long as we keep you know developing and doing the right way instead of just you know always money yeah i think that you know can help but obviously there's business to it it's, it's professional sports i was just at the steelers game it's professional sport you yeah, know yeah. so it doesn't just happen in soccer it happens in football you see guys i want to say nfl players like teddy bridgewater this guy who came out of louisville was the quarterback i believe right yeah. before lamar jackson and he was a baller and playing in minnesota tore his knee did his knee up in practice and now he's just bouncing around teams and this guy was supposed to be the next big quarterback ah, you know? know and it's just one thing uh, did him did him yeah. dirty and like that business. Just like that business, and now it's shipping him around, trying to get comfortable. Hopefully, he can find a home. So. Yeah, I think kind of we have to start from the ground up with like our caddies more. We're talking about Red Bulls. I'm coming from Philly um, this past year, and you know you see they have soccer-specific schools where these kids are training every single morning, go to school, and then come back to training every day. And it's soccer, soccer, soccer. I mean, that's what they're doing overseas. They're developing top players, but I I don't really know the rest of the country, but I don't think the rest of the country and all the MLS academies are really like that. And yeah. still, it's still pretty expensive in a sense. But I know in Philly, if you're good enough, they're giving you a scholarship to yeah. go to school. And like, yeah. even if you're coming from nothing, you're able to play for free, which is awesome. Like, it's giving all these kids opportunities. But I still feel like that needs to be implemented probably yeah. through every single MLS club. And it needs to keep growing. So these kids, we're talking about the minorities and the nonprofits and people who aren't financially stable, they're having these opportunities because... The best sports in the world all come from players who you hear about their stories. And you hear about their stories, and like they're just getting the opportunity because 
they're able to. And the struggle is a motivator. Struggle is a motivator, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So how do you guys feel about the college game though? If you could go back, would you no today, would you go back and, you know, go through the college system again or would you kind I of mean, go the pro route now? For me, it just depends on, I guess, where I was with the academies. You know, a lot of there's some there's some players in states that don't have academies, like Louisville. What do we? Like, Kentucky I, I doesn't have. Kentucky it, doesn't yeah. have much. We could, like, I have no clue if there's good youth players because yeah, there's no, you know, you don't know about it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that would be a, you know, something based on like a lot of circumstances for me, at least. Like, obviously looking back on it, college was fun, you know, I had, I had a blast, won a championship, you know, I thought I did well soccer-wise, got to me where I am now, but if I had that chance, you know, with, depending on pay and all that, academy system, trying to get up to the two-team, the way New York's doing it, I think I would go that route. <laughs> yeah, yeah, knowing what I know now, I yeah, mean, there wasn't even a chance for me to go and play professionally when I was, uh, that age you know I wasn't involved with the national team or, or anything like that so I didn't have that opportunity but had I known I had a potentially a 10-year professional career in front of me I would have bombed college you know? yeah. um, college you made know. me harder it made me stronger mentally but as far as the soccer player right. I don't think it did much for me that I would say I didn't learn much besides athleticism and stronger and yeah. faster until I came to Richmond Brown and even it took me like two months to catch up with the speed and understand like I'm coming from a mid-major come from a mid-major mostly I'm sure you guys actually I know for a fact you guys actually played in UVA but we didn't play at Mason like we scrapped and fought <laughs> for wins our coach is like kind of like beat the horse yeah <laughs> 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 so it's just like feed the horse feed the horse we're just kicking long balls in direction we're just fighting we won the A-10 just, yeah and yeah. we went to the NCAA tournament but out, it's not because of beautiful soccer it's because uh-huh. we're fighting we're like brothers out there so yeah, I agree with that 100%. And also, like the college, I know for me, in uh, UK, it was all about winning. Mm-hmm. They could care less of how you developed, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. what you did yeah. after your four years is up. You know, of course, they wanted to send players onto the MLS and to play professionally because that's uh, a rewarding feeling as a coach in a program. But at the end of the day, it was about getting results, yeah. you know, and whatever we could do to win. If you got to play direct, if you got to play ugly, that's what it took. Yeah. I think that's what the college game, unfortunately, besides, you know, a few programs, that's what it is. Look at it now, though. Like, now nah, we're getting older. You want to play as long as possible because you realize you can't play. You can always go back to school, get a degree, you know. You got community colleges yeah. help transfer you. So it's like you can only play soccer somewhere. Your body can only last yeah. right. at that type of work level right. so much. You can always go find another job. Know, or go back and get an education. Like, I'm still graduating. I haven't graduated yet. I'm taking classes gotcha. um, to work my way. But you know, that's something I look at now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I probably would, uh, you know, bounce on college and go yeah. straight if that meant I got to have a longer career. Yeah. So. What motivates you guys to keep following your dreams right now? My passion. Yep. Yeah. At this point, I mean, I love it. It's taking me all over the world and the country and, you know, created all kind of friendships and relationships with people that never even imagined and, uh, you know, trying to make the most of the moment, you know. I got people, you know, believe it or not, <laughs> who look up to me, you know, and want to see me succeed and, and that's powerful. Um, so for me, it's just 
trying to win as much as I can and, and trying to enjoy it and, and uh, give the people who support me something, you know, to cheer for. Yeah, I would say the same, like, because this year has been difficult for me. Yeah. And a lot of guys, I would say, in this league hit injuries around our age. Yeah. And they just, you know, call it quits because yeah. it's like, okay, you're not making that much money. Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah, obviously you want to have you know financially you want to be stable and everything and be able to eat, you know, yeah. and all that. But I just this year being out of it, being out for so long shows how much like I just how much I love the game, you know. Like I couldn't even imagine not being able to play next year. Um, so like that, you know, I was in a dark place this year with the concussions and all that. So that stuff came through my mind but I would always battle it out yeah. being like no I'm going to get through this get back to the way I'm, I know how I can play and going off that there. what do you how do you guys feel about mental toughness especially in this sport I mean I think mental toughness is just as important as your abilities on the field because yeah. you're in a dark place and I mean throughout your life really is you versus you in this world and it's how you perceive things so I really do think the mental aspect of the game is just as important I think it's more important yeah, I think it's more important. Yeah, I've seen so many good players with weak minds. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, we've seen very average players with a strong mentality who go on Just, to be very successful. Yeah, you know, um, even you know, you talk about last night. You know, uh, a strong mentality was necessary. Like, if you didn't have a strong mentality in that game, and you, you don't, you get found out. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And, uh, it's just, it's just how it is, and I think the best players in the world at all sports show that mental toughness and, and demonstrate that. Yeah, definitely gonna, sh- you know, I feel like it's gonna help us in after your career too. Yeah, you know, yeah. like sometimes you don't get, you don't get this type of battles you have, right? Where you have to, you know, constantly believe in yourself, and maybe the other work life you know I don't know how that is I've never been there <laughs> I don't plan on being there yet but I think this experience that we've all had you know growing up playing in this league and all that in our careers will definitely be something you take on to whatever you do next regardless if it's in athletics or anything what are some of the lessons you've learned doing this journey you just gotta believe in yourself that's the one thing yeah. That's for sure, because no one's ever gonna just hand you hand it to you. Yeah, you know we all have different experiences. I felt like in my younger days I was had a lot more opportunities, and then now I'm in a stage in my career where I'm you know, battling for contracts yeah, and not yeah, doing yeah. it just because of name. Yeah, you know it's getting to the point now where players, you know, it's a business, so you gotta have quality players. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you were somebody back then, you know, especially. For the American players, you know, it's it's uh, you got to battle and just believe in yourself because we don't have that development that we had. Like you would say, like people from you know England, Germany, these kids are training like we were talking about earlier from 14 in serious conditions on a daily basis. Piggybacking kind of off of your American soccer players, you know, <clears throat> most American pe- play or people in general play multiple sports. So do you think playing, I don't know if you guys played other sports growing up, obviously you played it for fun sometimes too, but do you feel like playing other sports throughout your life is helpful or hurtful, or maybe even both per se, in the 
especially in an American soccer players, because most Americans are playing multiple sports when they're growing up. I don't think I think it's it can only be helpful, yeah. honestly. Um, in the sense, you get another perspective on a team dynamic from a different viewpoint. You know, like basketball and coaching and how the teams interact is very different. You know, a football locker room is very different than that of a American football locker room. You know, and, and vice versa. You know, individual sports. You know, like golf and tennis. You know, that can challenge you in ways that soccer can never do. You know, so. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if you want to be a pro, you have to specialize, yeah. you know. So, you know, although it's going to be helpful to to uh, play multiple sports, I think soccer is a specialty, you know. It's not like uh, not, nothing against baseball or, or football, you know, but if I run a 4-2-40 and, you know, I, have, I can probably play baseball or at least have a chance, you know, to play football, you know, because of just my raw athletic ability. Soccer doesn't necessarily work like that. That's, that's when I say the negatives kind of kind of on that line where me, for example, I know personally if I either just focus from my whole life on soccer or focus on my whole life for basketball, I feel like I would be at a different level than when I was my senior year of high school, per se, just because I'm focusing on one. But then, like you were saying as well, I wouldn't have learned a lot of things from other sports as well because I learned a lot from basketball on the field, even in my game today. But I just have always thought in the back of my mind, like, if I focus on one sport, like, overseas, no one really is playing basketball, and football, or baseball, and any other sport. It's just no, soccer, it's soccer, just soccer, soccer. So they're developing that one, playing outside on the streets every single day and just straight soccer. So I just feel like, in a sense, where we're coming from in America, playing multiple sports almost every single time as a youth, maybe, you know, you're specifically focusing on one sport throughout your whole life, would you develop, you know, even two times as good as you were when you were a youth at that age. I would think so. You know, I think if you did that overall, you know, most circumstances it would work that way. But for me, like, I, I like playing, I like people playing multiple sports, at least at a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because sometimes when you're young, you don't know what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just played soccer because my parents threw me in it, yeah. and they, you know, tired me out, and I ended up loving it, and I'm here today. So, good, yeah. you know, like, I would say, let kids choose but then there's that age range when you get to there it's like hey okay let's start focusing on something maybe uh so it's a little bit of both worlds but i mean you can't i think you have college people playing multiple sports at times like russell wilson played baseball and uh, football but those are just like the one percentage you know like there's not many people that do that and then they make it to that pro level it's always usually you have to focus on one sport what advice would you guys give to young players who want to become professional soccer players? Uh, don't <laughs> don't think you've made it because you played a game. You know, uh, even I, I still to this day, this might be a little blunt, but I don't understand how players in the USL can feel as if they made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, right. and, and oh, I yeah. I think about that even in the MLS sometimes. You know. Uh, like, I look at how I feel about my career. You know, I look at some other, you know, players and the potential that they have. And, you know, like, you have to keep striving. Like, it's yeah. a grind. That's the, you know, you can, everybody talks about Ronaldo and Messi and these guys because they're incredible. But I don't think, think we realize, like, the, the amount of focus and concentration and work and the commitment to the game. Like, Ronaldo is such a clear, he's not my favorite player. 
but he's a clear example of somebody who dedicated his life right. to being the best, and it worked. You know, like you can't deny it, whether you like him or not. The man Dude. is a phenom. Like and he's changed the way he's played. He's changed the way yeah. he's adapted. Yeah. He's, adapted. He's he's gotten stronger when he needed to. He's gotten more athletic. He's he's dominated the ball. He's become a clinical finisher. However you want to say it, you know. Like I said, like him or not, for his personality or whatever, his hair, his celebrations, whatever, you know. <laughs> the man is a beast, and you can't deny it. So my message to young players is. You know, always try to keep a good perspective and always want more for yourself. You're not, it's never, like, something for me piggybacking off what you just said. I remember my first, right after I got drafted and I went to Houston, we had a meeting, and the very first meeting was with, like, the players' union in preseason. No, the players' union, I think, could do a lot more. But uh, I remember they said something that stood, like, really stuck to me, and it was, uh, it was like just because you got drafted and signed your contract doesn't mean you made it. Like you know, yeah. you got to come out here every day and do stuff, little things afterwards. And then I look back at it now and I'm like, damn, I wish I did more stuff after practice yeah. in those days in Houston because maybe it would have been different. Yeah. But you're never just because you sign a contract and you think you're somewhere doesn't mean you're safe. You got to perform at yeah. your best ability. So you're got it doesn't matter if you think you're the best on that team or something. Like yeah. you got to keep going. Just keep performing because it's in the, in the people can drop you and get replaced. So you just always got to keep battling. And it's the most difficult thing to do. It's so hard to show up every day with like a level of uh, commitment and intensity. And you know, yeah, I'm in the first 11. Do I really need to go that hard today in training? Or I scored a goal last week. Do I really need to keep so going? True, or, yeah. you know, like... Mental toughness. Mental saying, toughness, like, yeah. Your perspective, you know. I got team of the week. Who cares? Yeah. You know, like, do it again. Do you it know, again. It's, it's it's all a matter of perspective. Yeah. How you, how you, and it's tough to do, man. It's very tough. Yep. So, y'all, I appreciate you guys coming on this show. My 12th episode. It's been an honor having yeah. you guys. My man, Hugh. Awesome show. Thank you, guys. Thank you, footy fans, for listening in. Talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the episode.